Thank you for joining us back on the Learning Without Limits podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Jackson, and today I'm joined by co-host Dr. Kevin Campbell, who serves as the research director at Spring Valley School, as well as research collaborator, Dr. Caroline Richter um, from UAB, where she is the assistant professor of developmental psychology. So thank you both for, for joining me today as we discuss a very commonly experienced topic, stress. So pause for just a moment. Let's take a temperature check. How, how are the stress levels? today as we head into the weekend. <laughs> oh, coming off a short week, they're not that bad. Not yes. that bad. That's good. Yeah, moderate to high, but it's been a weird week. Sure. Very cold. Very cold. <laughs> yeah. Maybe kind of threw us out of routine a little yes, bit. But exactly. Sounds like that productive generates, enough to yeah. put you at a moderate stress level. Yes. So yes. it's ready. It's ready. Happy We're all ready Friday. for the weekend. Yes. yes. Happy it's Friday. <laughs> there we go. Um, so transitioning right into our um, discussion for today. So not only we're we talking about the topic of stress in general, but how it relates to learning differences. I'm going to turn it over to our research collaborator, our special guest, Dr. Richter, um, so she can introduce um, her background um, and what has brought her into this field of, of research. Yeah, so I've been very uh, happy to be collaborating with Spring Valley School since last fall, and we've been running a project with the main goal of reducing stress levels in not only students, but also teachers and staff. Mm -hmm. Uh, so very excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, so uh, I'm a professor in the Department of Psychology, and I'm also the director of the Science of Child Development and Neurodiversity Lab at UAB. Uh, and in my lab, we're really interested in understanding cognitive and social-emotional aspects that uh, contribute to academic achievement, adaptive, out adaptive outcomes, and emotional well-being. Uh, in children who are neurodiverse. Uh, and very excited to be partnering with Spring Valley in this project. Uh, so I'm gonna turn over to Kevin. So just to briefly introduce, MindUp is a program that was created by the Goldie Hawn Foundation and it focuses on neuroscience, positive psychology, mindful awareness, and social emotional learning. We have been implementing it over the course of this year during our advisory periods, which were an added 20 minute break to allow us to really explicitly teach students about all of the topics related to stress as presented in the MindUp program. Um, so if you wanna talk a little bit more about MindUp and a little bit more about why those topics are important for us here. Yes, so this is a social emotional learning curriculum and uh, it's actually, uh, it has one of the highest designations by Collaborative for Academic Social and Emotional Learning, or CASEL. So it's under the select category. And uh, this curriculum teaches kids uh, skills that are really important in our life and probably skills that we use in as adults even. So uh, uh, so teach, teaches them the knowledge they need to regulate their stress and their emotion, form positive relationships, act with kindness and compassion. Uh, so all these skills we know uh, are really needed throughout our life. And they're all packed into about 15 weeks. So have there been many issues that you've seen with trying to hit all of those topics so quickly? 
um, yeah. things from both the feedback that we've given you. What are some of the things that you think are going to appear when we try to hit so many different varied topics that quickly? Yes. Uh, I think one thing, and I think it's part of all the learning process, always more practice is best, mm. right? So one skill we teach kids and teachers at the same time are learning how to be more mindful. So being more mindful of their own breath or their own body, uh, being mindful when they go outside for a walk, so observing. So that's a actually learning skill. And more practice is best, right? Yes. So everything that we have more time to practice and do uh, like practices those skills is best. So for sure, if we could have more time, that would be wonderful. Yes. I think there's a phrase out there, practice makes perfect. Exactly. So I think that that rings true here as well. Yes, yes, for <laughs> um, sure. I love how you touched on the fact that it's all about that routine of touching base with oneself and yes. looking for those indicators. So that's, exactly. a, that's a wonderful practice to make perfect. <laughs> yeah, so for example, now I'm a little anxious. I can yes. feel like my own uh, heart rate a little accelerated, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's part of that mindfulness. So it doesn't need to be always calm, but just being aware of how you're feeling or what are your thoughts, if you have any negative or positive thoughts, and just observing them as if they were clouds on the sky, mm -hmm. for example. Yes, and it's so different for everyone on an individual level, like you were saying. So that's um, that just speaks true to the individuality of those going through um, this, this opportunity to, to look more into like how we can identify those indicators. Yes, exactly. So. And sometimes it's interesting because how we help kids and ourselves reduce stress is paying attention to the stress. Mm -hmm. So, uh, instead of almost like trying to hide it, so mm -hmm. like, I don't want to feel anxious. It's almost like embracing it. Right. So it's part of a natural process to feel a little anxious before being part of a podcast. Exactly. <laughs> or before an exam for a child, for <laughs> example. And we actually know that um, moderate levels of stress, so there is almost like a curve, um, an association. So moderate levels of stress are associated with higher achievement. Mm -hmm. So a child experiences some stress or some anxiety before an exam probably is going to have a better outcome perform better academically mm. than if they had zero stress. So it's like a curve like that. But if they have too much stress, that's going to impact their performance. Down. They shut down. Exactly. So a little bit like we are all feeling it's good for your performance because it means you care. So actually, this mm. is a message really important for all the kids. Yes. Our program, so Mind Up program, doesn't want us all to be calm and like mm. super relaxed all the time. It's more like aware of our own thoughts, our own feelings, and feelings and emotions and how I can better support myself in that moment mm. before an exam, maybe taking a deep breath and being aware that's part of the process. Right. So right. engaging that stress in a productive way. Yes. Identifying it early on, but not letting it go past that point where that it's, you curve. know, maybe not serving the individual in that productive manner. Um, but what I'm also hearing is that it can also make you more alert to perform. Um, exactly. When it when it's that healthy moderate. Yes. You know, everyone loves a happy medium. <laughs> exactly. So we are here talking about stress. We don't want to eliminate eliminate anyone's right. stress. We want to have a healthy uh, amount of stress. And yes. we spent a moment discussing that there are healthy levels of stress and the ways that we feel it in ourselves. 
Um, do you want to talk a little bit about the measures that we're using, both the survey measures and you know, the bit more quantified levels of stress that we're discussing. Yeah, so one way uh, we measure stress levels is looking at some stress markers. Uh, so one that's been caught um, not only the kids' attentions, but all the teachers, the school attention, if you will, is collecting saliva. So we, have, we can measure cortisol and some other markers or biomarkers in our saliva. Those are kind of like a, a, an identifier of how uh, your body's feeling or your autonomic nervous system is reacting. But again, it's not like zero cortisol levels. Like we need a curve. So when you wake up, it actually goes up and we want it to go up. And then throughout the day, it goes down. So there is a curve. Uh, but we don't want it to just not go up in the morning because otherwise you won't feel right. alert and ready to right. go in the day. To conquer the day. Yeah. Exactly. So it's almost like we want to have that natural curve um, throughout the day. And that's why we collect saliva in the morning, mid-afternoon, mm. and then we ask kids to collect at night to yeah. make sure maybe in that time of the day before going to bed. They're winding down. Exactly. Because stress can keep you awake. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like we've all yes. had that encounter. Um, yeah. So is there a specific time that you recommend measuring or does it maybe not yes, affect we, the results as much? We usually ask kids to do it before they go to bed. So, okay, so depending on their personal routine. Exactly. It changes for everyone. Okay. Yes, but usually we ask like 8.30. That's kind of our... our we assumed a little yes, bit before bedtime for yes. our students in the age range that we we're hope, working with. Oh, we hope they're not pulling an all-nighter or going <laughs> to bed at midnight exactly. you know, before test. Yeah. <laughs> And then another way we measure it uh, is through self-reports. So we ask questions, and probably all of us have asked those questions to ourselves before. Like, uh, why am I taking tests? How do I feel? Do I feel nervous? Is my, are my hands, like, sweaty? Are my heart racing? Or um, my head hurts? Mm. So those questions that are usually indicators of stress. Asking so. for descriptors of how yes. they're feeling. Yes. And so, based on circumstance. So... Yes. Do you plan it around, like, do you plan your collection time around if they have a test that day? No, it's all self-report through memory. Gotcha. Yes. Oh, so so we it's have... looking back on an instance where they were feeling anxious. Exactly. Or like mm -hmm. this past week, have you felt angry, happy, calm? Okay. So it's usually like, usually, do you feel satisfied with your life, right? So those are questions we ask. Uh, that can be indicators not only of stress levels, but also positive outcomes, right? right? Mm -hmm. So something that I mentioned that we're really interested in is fostering emotional well-being, right? So like we don't want to see only how angry or how yeah. anxious you've been, but yes. how happy you've been. And how the differences yes. that go with that. And that's such a great practice too, looking over the week comprehensively. Yeah. Um, because that's such a great practice for them to do on their own looking back in summary of like what the week entailed for yes. them and how their response was. Um, so in general, for measurement's sake, productive, but also yes. for them to, you know, moving forward, be mindful, um, going yes. along with the theme, <laughs> mindful um, of, of how they're interpreting and processing internally yes. their um, environmental stressors. Or and that stressors. is one of the big takeaways from the program is mm -hmm. making sure that we're aware of what's causing us to be stressed, 
what stresses are helping us and being those more productive stressors that we need to keep in our lives and which stress we can sort of do away with because mm -hmm. it's only adding anxiety to the exactly. day. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. And without taking a break to sort of ask ourselves those questions, we're very rarely going to notice it unless it is something that mm -hmm. is ostensibly stressful for everyone. Right. Does yeah. the study go beyond um, identifying peak times of stress and circumstances of stress and going into like a resolution of what works for a student to resolve the stress? Or is that a different study? Yeah, no. <laughs> the curriculum, the intent and uh, Kevin has been implementing the curriculum. I know many of the kids have said like, uh, oh, when I, um, sometimes I feel like I can take a deep breath instead of fighting with my sibling or mm -hmm. I can take a step back and just go for a walk right. and just take a brain break, right? I can take a minute to breathe. So right. like using strategies actually to regulate your own emotions. And again, really important to know we all have stressful situations where we are Correct. here not, but we want to have strategies to deal with them, right? And use them in our advantage. Right. Yes. Yes. You're tuned in to Learning Without Limits, your go-to podcast and academic resource brought to you by Spring Valley School. Located in Birmingham, Alabama, Spring Valley School services students with diverse learning differences. At Spring Valley School, we embrace uniqueness. Our dedicated educators are passionate about unlocking the potential within each student, catering to specific needs like dyslexia, dysgraphia, dyscalculia, and more. We believe in a personalized approach that goes beyond traditional methods, fostering an environment where every learner thrives. Thank you for joining us as we dive into insightful discussions with experts, parents, and educators, sharing valuable insights into the world of specialized education. Whether you're a parent seeking guidance or an educator looking for innovative strategies, our podcast is your compass in navigating the realm of learning differences. While you're here, connect with us on this journey. Subscribe to Learning Without Limits and be a part of a community that celebrates diversity, fosters growth, and believes in education without boundaries. Uh, before we move on, I just wanted to acknowledge uh, our funders from this, uh, for this study. So, you know, uh, we've been talking a lot about this study, but the title of the study, I think we didn't mention yet. Mm -hmm. So the study is a collaboration between UAB, my lab, mm -hmm. and Spring Valley School. So the title is Evaluating Biopsychosocial. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. kind of what it is. So psychosocial is all that self-report. The bio is the saliva and all the related hormones we are measuring, and then evaluating biopsychosocial outcomes of mindfulness-based instruction in school-age children with, uh, with learning differences. And this project was funded by UAB Center for Engagement and Disability Health and Rehabilitation uh, Sciences, CEDARS at UAB. And I also wanted to thank and acknowledge our collaborators in this project. So we have many professors at UAB, so Dr. Mm -hmm. Sylvie Mrug, Dr. Heather Austin, Dr. Grace Albright, and Dr. Robin Lindsay. And uh, one more <laughs> thank you, because uh, it takes a whole team, so I'm just one of one member of the team. Uh, so our amazing research team of students, so we have Bree Stain, Peyton, Presley, Shannon, and Alexis in one team. They've been working with the school every week, so I wanted to thank them and thank Kevin and the school for supporting the students and um, making sure this project is possible. So very grateful. 
for, for that. Thank you. Absolutely. And we're honored to be a part of such an important study. So thank yeah. you for including us. Yeah. Well, as we just saw, there's a lot of people who are part of this study. And so clearly there are expectations for beyond just this portion where everybody's enrolled in the program, everybody's doing yeah. the um, advisory sessions that focus mm -hmm. on those four pillars of mind up. So do you want to chat a little bit about what our hopes for this research project are? What sort of outcomes we're looking for long term and what we're looking for sort of in the right now and happening? Yes. Uh, so we have some hypotheses based on the literature. So this program, as I mentioned before, is a validated program. So it's evidence-based, which means it was tested before and positive results have been shown in other schools. But actually, this is the first school that it's implementing in partnership with a researcher uh, that it's a learning differences school. So mm -hmm. all the previous schools were um, uh, general uh, uh, schools. So mm -hmm. this is very unique. And the program in our research group is really excited about that. So in terms of outcomes, of course, as we said, practice make perfect. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is a social-emotional learning curriculum that it can be taught every year and you can kind of learn a new thing every time yeah. you go through it and you can practice skills differently. Uh, but the outcomes in those previous studies have been related to improvements in aggressive behaviors, oppositional mm -hmm. behaviors, improvements in attention and concentra uh, concentration, improvements in social and emotional competencies, so feeling empathy towards your peers, towards your teachers, or uh, mm -hmm. other people around you, uh, feeling more compassionate towards others. So those are some expected outcomes. And we were also looking at academic achievement. Uh, so we know from the literature that, that being able to regulate your emotions might have an impact on you having better performance. And then even executive functioning. So executive functioning, it's a big word that relates to kind of uh, monitoring, inhibiting, maybe uh, a response like you really want to hit something because you're really mad. So you're able to inhibit that mm. and take that breath and um, do another thing, right? Do another behavior instead of hitting your friend because you're mad at him, right? Right. <laughs> Maybe that's not the best example. I think it's a great example. <laughs> we all have that really moment. <laughs> and it's a skill that actually develops uh, until you are usually about 25 years of age. So all our kids are still developing that right. skill. That's a great reminder. Uh, yes. So that's why you probably remember when you were a kid, it was harder to inhibit your impulse, right? But as mm -hmm. you grow older, that skill naturally develops. Right. Yes. So we're hoping for some of that payoff in reducing stress to begin with, but the stress that we can't reduce, it sounds like that emotional or the executive functioning portion is going to help you to work well with that stress. Yes, so regulate your emotions, and then when you are able to regulate them, hopefully you will have better outcomes, like academic outcomes or relationship mm -hmm. outcomes. So that's the major goal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> are there any um, particular challenges that have stood out in this research process? Wow, that's a great question. So I'm really excited. So I, I think we didn't mention but we are finalizing the program in about three mm. weeks, and I'm really mm. excited about the next step, which is going to be talking to the teachers and the kids themselves and the families and see 
their opinions. So I'm really excited oh. to see that. Uh, and I think there were some uh, issues with like, it's so funny, logistics sometimes yes. is the hardest part. So Kevin yes. has been very <laughs> wonderful. So, you know, finding the exact video I want to show, like mm. um, where is that specific lesson that I'm going to teach today or the school is closed due to the weather. Correct. So we are not doing the curriculum this <laughs> whole week. flexible with, yes, whatever <laughs> yeah. comes your way. Absolutely. Yes. And how that interferes with timeline even. Oh, have you been able to... pretty good in timeline, Have time you been able to stay on top of yeah. We've goals, been able to, against all odds, um, <laughs> yes. keep our timeline fairly well intact from the beginning of yeah, the year. I think like a week because this was like by the... The plan was to be done by the end of January and we're going to be right. done in uh, February 8th. Yeah. So we're wow. pretty good. So we've stayed closer than I thought we would have when I was looking <laughs> right. at it, seeing from the recent snow days to everything else where we just haven't been able to implement um, an SEL practice that day. So, But come January 8th, how long will it have been since start time to finish? Uh, so 17 weeks. 17 weeks. Yes. Congratulations. We've got you're, a few, you're coming up on it. Yes. We've got and a few pause weeks in there where we did some of those testings for cortisol levels, yes. saliva selection, um, the survey measures. Yes, which mm -hmm. is pre, mid, and post. Mm -hmm. Yes. So probably more than that. <laughs> yeah. Four um, months or something. Something around that ballpark. Are you starting to realize how far you've come just talking about it? <laughs> yes, yes. We just had a meeting with um, the teachers and everyone in January. And I was like, wow, it's been, it's been a good... It's been a journey. Yes, a journey. <laughs> what are you going to do without Spring Valley oh, being no. on your to-do week to week? <laughs> we, we need to have new projects. Yeah. So new project yeah. on the horizon. Yes, a lot of new ideas for sure. Yeah, but the 17 weeks have been good. They've given us time to make small adaptions for things like all of our students aren't going to be as comfortable reading some of the passages. All of them aren't going to be as comfortable with the vocabulary that's used. And making those little tweaks that we have to make for an LD school, the things that make right. it slightly different. Um, being aware that our students are generally going to deal with a little bit more stress, a little bit more anxiety for the nature of being a school that caters towards students with dyslexia, dyscalculia, dysgraphia. Um, all of those things come with a little bit more anxiety and trepidation towards academic studies, at least. And then that translates over into your personal life mm -hmm. as well. Yes. So noticing those things, being able to lean a bit heavier into those as we've made it further into the program has helped us to stay within the parameters of it, but make sure that it is really helping our population. Right. And that's a great point. I'm glad you mentioned. And Kevin, are there any examples of accommodating for our particular students to be able to participate in a way that they're comfortable and you still get the um, data that you're looking for? So one of the things in particular early on, um, we mentioned that it is based on neuroscience and neuroscience has an awful lot of very large words. <laughs> it has an awful lot yes. of very large words. And for some of them, um, the students were supposed to look at maps of the brain. They were supposed to understand different parts of the brain and how they interact with each other. And that's going to be really heavy on working memory, processing speed, and also your ability to decode. Um, so while we don't want to get rid of that lesson, it means that we are going to shift that more to a group learning style where it's facilitated by the teacher a little bit more. Um, it's a little bit less independent, but we're still able to make all those connections. We're still able to foster the conversations with our students and make sure they're really engaging with the material, even though they aren't as able to interact with it just because there are so many pieces to your brain and realizing how those all overlap while you're also struggling to 
figure out how to pronounce the word amygdala is going to be a little bit tricky. Yeah. Um, all of the vowels in the Y don't get hit nearly as yeah. much in reading intervention as some of the more standard words that we'll see yes. throughout the system. And I definitely struggle pronouncing many of those. Yes. <laughs> but you say them enough and eventually. Uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe. Nature, right? <laughs> no, it's not second we'll never nature get there. <laughs> Not for That's me. Okay. <laughs> Yes, English is my second language, so I still struggle with them. <laughs> in particular, because amygdala is the same word in Portuguese, amygdala. Uh. But it's very similar. <laughs> so that one, I, it's easy. But many of them are really hard. Mm -hmm. So amygdala is your favorite word, then, Maybe. Because it's the same. <laughs> yeah. So easier to remember. <laughs> yeah. It's fun to say. Yes. Another um, <laughs> struggle we had, which was interesting, um, that we know many kids with learning differences, they also uh, have issues with sensory processing. Mm -hmm. uh, so struggling maybe with, with touch yes. or um, sounds, louder sounds. Mm -hmm. So we or, use a bell. And even mm -hmm. some of the food items for the mindful tasting. Even for oh, the food items. Perfect. So yeah. we didn't use the, what was it? The it was raisins. raisins. So we good. used suggested goldfish. Yes. Yes. Raisins much were suggested. Raisins. Yeah, so the activity what? was to uh, uh, kind of be mindful of what, what you're eating. Just paying uh, attention okay. and mm -hmm. eating really slowly so you can feel all the tastes in your mouth and feel right. yourself salivating. So instead mm -hmm. of using the raisin, we use the goldfish. Mm -hmm. Or like the sound, we have yeah. like a bell to do a brief brain break. That's how mm. we call it. So just like take a deep breath and take like usually a minute or so to right. just like ground yourself, pay attention mm -hmm. to your breath, your, your feet, <laughs> and just be aware. And uh, the sound was sometimes hurting kids' ears. It was more harsh sound. Mm -hmm. Was that something that you found before you started the study on your no, own? No, I love the sound. Or did you get feedback from students? Oh, you love the sound. Yeah. I love the sound, right. Okay. And, right. but so some the of the kids is, didn't like I it. I think it's like a high A. And so it's not a particularly abrasive sound for a lot of folks. But, but for some kids, for it some, might be. Yes, we found Absolutely. through teacher feedback that that was something that they were struggling with, and it allowed us to incorporate some other brain breaks that students will still be able to do out in the world. Um, things like revisiting a mindful walking exercise, doing a yes. body check-in without the bell, mm, um, being okay. able to facilitate that same, being aware of the stress in your body, being aware of where you're holding your stress, taking a minute to let go of what you can, and anything that's remaining, sort of investigate why it's there. Right, right. Spring Valley School specializes in teaching students with learning differences, such as dyslexia, dysgraphia, and dyscalculia. Our success in this mission is largely dependent on the commitment and expertise of our educators. Educators like Ms. Joanna McLeod, who has been a special education teacher for more than 30 years. As a National Board Certified Teacher and Structured Literacy Dyslexia Interventionist, Joanna has utilized her decades of experience to found Determined Educators, LLC working with countless educators, parents, and children to develop evidence-based strategies that improve literacy skills for students with learning differences. Joanna has recently published a book titled High Frequency Words Progress Monitoring Binder as a tool to target students' high frequency words and monitor their progress. Don't miss out on this incredible resource. Grab your copy on Amazon or visit determinededucators.com. For continuous support and knowledge, stay connected with the Learning Without Limits podcast. 
Subscribe now to stay updated on new episodes and enrich your understanding of specialized education. So there are a lot of ways that we can implement some of these strategies from MindUp in our daily teaching strategies and even in our daily home lives. That's one of the portions that is discussed in MindUp is how you can you take this home. So things like brain breaks, where you're taking a moment to breathe, you're taking a moment to relax and take sort of register of yourself is something that students and even parents can easily do at home for themselves. Where if you're feeling really overwhelmed by that science project that's due tomorrow morning and you haven't even figured out what a volcano is, let alone how to make it erupt, <laughs> you can take that brain break and you can remember it's really not as complicated yes, as you might have thought. Yes, a brain break can be one minute or Absolutely. even less than that. It takes no time, but exactly. I mean, can I can be... surely attest sometimes I'm like, I don't have time to stop because for me to soothe my stress, I want whatever's stressing me out to be resolved and put away right. and done off yes. my mind. And so. what MindUp teaches us is that sometimes taking a moment to stop the stress will save us enough time that we're actually going to finish earlier and exactly. with better results. Yes. yes. Actually, there's research showing that. Yes. That sometimes if you do a mindful activity, and it can be five mm -hmm. minutes, ten minutes, it almost corresponds to faster uh, completion of a task. Isn't that amazing? Yes. Right. It's sort of like when you're running around the kitchen and you're trying to do 15 things all at once, but you haven't pulled everything out of the fridge yet. Right. So you yeah. keep on redoing that same task. And so taking a moment for mindfulness is going to help you to avoid mm -hmm. redoing the same task over and over or doing a task where it's not at the level that you're comfortable with. Right. So then you end up redoing it anyway. Yeah. And this might be um, a different topic for a different day, but <laughs> multitasking, I feel like is the same yes. concept. Like you're trying to do too many things at once. If you just slow down, focus on one thing, check it off the list, go on to the next, yeah. maybe you're going to find a rhythm that is a lot, you know, healthier for you yeah. and also that moves you at a pace that you're actually aiming for. Yes. yes. So educators and parents can easily incorporate brain breaks into their standard teaching schedules, into the standard, we're going to start homework, let's take a quick brain break, or we've made it through one subject, let's take a break in between. Um, also, yes. just taking a moment to acknowledge the stress that you're creating um, as an educator can help to ease the anxieties of students. If you sit there and you say, I know this is going to be difficult, but it's something that we are able to manage um, and discussing things with that going through, being aware of the stress of the environment around you mm -hmm. and when it's productive versus when it's a stress that isn't needed. And if it's one that isn't needed, being able to remove that is yes. something that can help educators on the topic of stress and stress causing poor learning outcomes amongst their students. Yes. And sometimes just acknowledging that, oh, when I was a kid, I also would mm. feel nervous before an exam. It's part mm -hmm. of everyone's yeah. experience. Correct. Or, you know, there are days that I don't feel like teaching. I'm really tired and mm -hmm. I need your help to help me go through the day as a teacher, mm -hmm. right? So sharing those experiences and parents also sharing experiences yes. like there are days that I'm really, right. really anxious or really, really tired mm -hmm. and it's really hard for me to support you. But there are yes. days that I'm fully here to support you and vice versa. Right. So sort of just being open and forward with those human experiences can really help to foster healthy social emotional development of the students yes. as well as to reduce some of that stress and make sure that it's being used productively when it has to be there. Yes. So it sounds like the common theme is communication is yes. key yes. Um, in the way that it all goes back to the beginning of our conversation, how we talked about it's different per individual. So mm -hmm. it's unforeseen or it's unseen, I should say, to 
one person what another person's feeling and why they're feeling it. Or, um, you know, for that individual who's feeling the rise in stress levels, they're going to know their warning signs far before anybody else. And so communicating, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm getting to that point. Here's what I need. Um, which that takes experience and, and, you know, finding what works for them. Yes. So. Self-awareness. Self-awareness. Yes. We are learning about ourselves word. every day. Exactly. Yes. And perspective taking too. So mm-hmm. one thing we, we kind of added in, it's not only compassion towards others, mm-hmm. but towards, mm-hmm. towards, towards ourselves. ourselves. Exactly. Right. Understanding that, yes, it's okay if I'm not able to complete this now. Yes. I can mm-hmm. do it in 10 minutes. I can do it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And that might be okay. Exactly. If it takes right. you longer than your peer, it is okay. Yes. Everyone's different. Yes. So. And like, I think learning about ourselves and having self-compassion mm-hmm. helps us at, like, also have compassion towards others and take mm-hmm. that perspective right. through different lens. But it always <laughs> starts with us. Yes. It was funny when I learned and I kind of started getting into the mindfulness uh, science, if you will, it was almost like, oh, I can actually do that. Mm-hmm. I can actually acknowledge that it's okay for me to feel tired today. Exactly. It's part of the process. Part of the human experience yes. in general. Have you received any feedback from students that you're working closely with in terms of what their takeaways have been or if they've asked any intriguing questions? What's the interest um, level of our students who are engaged in, in this study. Yes, I think we have a lot of variation. Yes. Yes. So there are some students who are absolutely fully engaged. They didn't realize that when you breathe in the way that your diaphragm moves, they had never Mm -hmm. thought about the physical motions of their body as they're walking through the parking Mm -hmm. lot of how the tendons flex in your foot as you're trying to lift it up to get out of a chair. Mm -hmm. Um, They'd never thought about the feeling of the floor on your back if you're laying down on the floor flat to take a deep breath in. So there's a lot of students who are learning so much about their own experience with the world around them that they hadn't considered before. Yes. Um, because so much of life we move through on sort of an autonomous level. Yes. So um, that's when, and we've also had students who are able to incorporate these things into their everyday life who are going around and they realize that they're being stressed. They realize that they're at their job and mm-hmm. they have a really difficult customer at the table in front of them that they're waiting. And they're able to take a moment that's take awesome. a step back and breathe and realize, oh, this isn't about me. Yes. That, this, they're not mad about the service. They are mad because, you know, personal. there are yelling children at the table. And this isn't about me. It's not because I didn't put down the water exactly right. That's and wonderful. being able to avoid internalizing that stress has been something that previously some of the students hadn't been able to do. <laughs> Yes, and some of us are not able to do yes. that. Some of us adults aren't able to do that either. Yes. Wow, that's wonderful. <laughs> I'm happy to hear. So what are some of the future directions of this study? Where is it headed? And um, how can our current listeners stay informed of, of where it's going? Yeah, so I think I briefly mentioned before that I'm really excited for the next steps, which is mm-hmm. the qualitative piece of this which we are going to be joining and doing what we call focus groups, which is pretty much what we are doing here. But we are going to have like four kids and ask them about their thoughts about the program, things that they liked, things that they didn't like. And we're going to do the same with teachers and parents and get their feedback about the the curriculum and how the implementation uh, if they liked it or not. So that's going to give us a lot, a lot of great uh, insight. And then hopefully we'll be able to kind of gather all that information and translate and kind of inform the school. And I'm also available to, you know, maybe 
come and give a talk about our findings and hopefully we'll have uh, publications and poster mm -hmm. presentations. We have one submitted that maybe if it gets accepted, we can share a little bit about the results and ideas about the study. So, you know, disseminating in conferences. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm always available if parents want to reach out um, to me in my email uh, to chat or to ask any questions. And hopefully uh, we have some other projects in the future. Um, to continue our collaborations. Well, that sounds great. It really sounds like you're trying to make sure that everyone who could possibly want this information is going to have it right at their fingertips. Yes, exactly. Which is really the point of science and exactly. research in a school setting, isn't it? Exactly. And <laughs> that's how neat that um, participating students are able to be exposed to the research process, too. Yes. So it's kind of a twofold experience um, yes. for them to have their, you know, their personal experience with the, with the research, but also being exposed to research as a field of study, maybe, exactly. that they might be interested in. Exactly. So, awesome. Well, thank you so much to both of you for joining us on the podcast today. It's been a pleasure talking about a very, as we said, widely experienced um, topic of stress, kind of brainstorming um, some of those mindfulness mm -hmm. strategies. And I know we are all um, eager and excited to, um, you know, stay tuned to the results coming in. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Great. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Learning Without Limits podcast. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel to be the first to know about future episodes and follow Spring Valley School Alabama on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. For more information on how you can join SVS in making possible bright futures for students with learning differences, please visit our website at springvalleyschool.org.